Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Well, hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I happen to be Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. We're not, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And before we get started, we just want to remind you that you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mention on the show. There's also a search bar if you're like, I want to search moisturizers. And hopefully stuff will come up. You can also follow us on Twitter at Forever35Pod, Instagram at Forever35Podcast, and you can join the Forever35 Facebook group where the password is serums. And we also have a wonderfully curated newsletter, which comes out bi-monthly. Wait, weren't we told? Okay, oh, no. so we got a lot of we got a lot of emails that were like, it's not bi-monthly, it's semi-monthly. But then we <laughs> uh-huh. got an email from someone who was like, 
it's also bi-monthly because so many people got confused by this that now like in the OED, you can also use bi-monthly and they had receipts for this. Oh, they brought res- grammar receipts? They brought receipts. Yeah, they brought they brought dictionary receipts. So listen. <laughs> Love our audience. We're going to say bi-monthly, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so yes, it comes out bi-monthly and you can sign up for it at uh, forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. Indeed. And then I should also say the next issue is going up tomorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dory's on it. And Kate's in it. Yeah, I'm in it. You're on it. In it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you want to reach us to talk about things being semi-monthly, bi-monthly, fortnightly, bi-weekly, etc., you can call or text us at 781-591-0390. You can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, we always appreciate a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tell a pal. Tell a pal. I know we have a lot of we have a lot of friends who listen together, which is really fun. We do have a lot of PAL listeners. I really appreciate I, that. I know. I know. It's really nice. Um, what if we have enemies who listen and they like don't know? <laughs> Frenemies who Frenemies. Ooh. <sighs> so, Kate, you know, we're recording this before this has happened, but it's airing after. So I'm just going to say thank you to everyone who came to the Worth the Wait event on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, even though we're recording this before it happens, I'm going to confidently say that it was very fun. <laughs> I am going to say that too. And Kate, just another special thanks to you for everything you did for the event. It has been really I have to say it's been really fun to just be like the support person in someone's big project. Oh, like it's fun being along for the ride, but there's no stress involved because it's not my project. I feel like it's almost like being a grandparent or like an aunt or an uncle. Or oh my like gosh, I love that. You get to be excited about the kids, but then like you don't have to wipe their butts. Do you know what I mean? So that's what I feel like to your book. I, I feel like the like the cousin of the book who just has fun with it. Oh, it's been a blast. So nice. Um, and so, uh, Dory, you know, you've got some exciting more book talk to share with us because now your book have is some out. Exciting- my book is out. It's out in the world. People have gotten it. If you if you got a book through the Worth the Wait event, you will be getting that book probably within the next week or so because I have to go in and sign them and personalize them, et cetera, et cetera. But I have it on good authority from my publisher that based on pre-orders and everything else, we are we are very close, like within a few hundred books away from a number that could reliably land me on the bestseller list. No one knows exactly what the formula is. And of course it changes week to week, you know, the number of books you need to sell to get on the list because in New York Times. you could, you could, well, you could, you could come out on a, on the same week as like Oprah, Michael Lewis, Malcolm Michelle Gladwell, Obama. Yeah, Michelle yeah. Obama. Like, yeah, like there could be a week where those are all the people. And so then you could sell thousands of books and not get on the list. But I am told that we are very close, very close. So if you haven't bought my book yet, all I'm saying is now is the time. This first week is like so crucial. 
And another fun thing that I've learned, Kate, because I've really gone deep on the Times bestseller. <laughs> this is a goal for you. This is a goal for you. They one thing that that is kind of known is that they weigh indie purchases more than they do ones from that online bookseller that shall remain nameless. That r- rhymes with Flamazon? Yes. So you could sell fewer books than another Flamazon bestseller, but if all of your sales are from various independent bookstores around the country, you will make the list and the Flamazon bestseller will not. Well, what a fantastic incentive as if we needed another one, but it still doesn't hurt to purchase books from independent booksellers. Exactly. So if you happen to have access to an independent bookstore in your city or town, please buy it from them or you can buy it from bookshop.org, which sends money back to independent bookstores. So, you know, I know I've been talking about this book for weeks, but like now it's out. And this kind of lofty, crazy goal that I set for myself, it was, you know, a little, uh, I don't want to say embarrassed, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's like putting something big like that out there in the world is intimidating. But people have been very, very like responsive and nice about it. So I just, I did just want to give people an update that we are really close. And, you know, I, the Forever 35 community has already shown up so much for me and my book. I mean, it's been, it's been amazing. You all are the best. And like, there's just, there's like a little bit more to go. So if you, if you could all just do that one thing, my gratitude would be endless. Can I ask you a loving question? Yes. Which I realize is as annoying as saying a gentle nudge, but I'm, mm-hmm. I, I ask this not from a place of like not believing in you, but just out of curiosity, let's say you, you don't get on the quote New York times bestseller list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not that that's going to happen, but let's just say, mm-hmm. are you going to still feel proud of all the amazing things you've accomplished with this book. Or let me just say this. I want you to still feel proud. Yes, I will. And I've okay. thought about this too. Like, I think this is such a big goal and one that has seemed totally impossible and mm-hmm. out of reach. And I think what will like, I think what will disappoint me is if I find out that I was really close. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That will, that will sting because if I'm like, if I'm like thousands of books away, then it's like, oh, okay. Like it it wouldn't have mattered. Like everything I did, I wouldn't have been able to get it. But if it turns out that like I missed it by like a hundred books, that will kind of kill me. I, I will be honest. So I don't know. That doesn't like fully answer your question. I look, I am proud of my book no matter what. And I'm, and again, I'm so thrilled and and just touched and grateful for everyone who has done so much for this book. So I will be proud of myself no matter what. Okay. Um, not that there's not that there's nothing wrong. Like not that disappointment isn't an okay thing to experience. Like I think sometimes we of course. try to shield ourselves from that. And I think it's a very yes. valid emotion, but I also want to like, just, you know, I think I I think it's one of those things where I want to be able to like hold both feelings. I know. Okay. Well, I will create. I will help create that space for you if the like, time I don't comes. Wanna, but... I don't want to like. I don't want to pretend that I'll just be able to be like, no, 
well, right, right. I'm so no. proud of myself. You know what yes. I mean? Because like it is something that that I that I want to achieve. But it's also one of those things where I I do acknowledge that some of these things are out of my control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I what I will say is I do feel like I have done everything within my power to make this happen. And so that is something that I feel good about. You know, like I don't I I don't think I will look back and be like, oh, if only I posted one more time to Instagram. Right, right. Like, you I know what I mean? Like it. I feel like yeah, I feel like I've done what I could and people have been amazing and I just need like a few more people to be amazing. All right. Well I'll get my dad on that. Well seeing as I'm living with him right now, I will gently urge him and my step my stepmom listens to the podcast. So like she we were having dinner and she was like, Oh yeah, I think I heard you mention that your goal is to try to go to bed on time. And I was like, That's that's Oh my right. god, that's amazing. Uh but so I'll just yeah, I'll just start pushing these family members I'm around to uh get I on it. I appreciate that, Kate. My I pleasure, really Jordan. do. My pleasure. Well, you know, I am here in New Hampshire. Yes. In a very rural I mean, most of New Hampshire is pretty rural. Uh, but I'm not in one of like the cities. I'm in the the, the country, mm-hmm. and I am really getting into the nature. Okay, talk to me about this. Well, I love. I do love nature. That's such a broad. First of all, I sound like I'm a cliche, which I am. But I, you know, my I can just sit in the front room or sit on the little porch out front and just you know, watch a cardinal at the bird feeder or a goldfinch. Mm. There have been deer in the front yard. And my dad kind of has like a big field in front of his house. So I've been watching the mm. deer. There's a bunch of wild turkeys who were, you know, just chilling right near me today. Chipmunks. I'm hoping to see a moose or a bear. I've never seen a moose. It's I've just, never seen a moose either. Right? I don't, I really would like to see a moose. It's just been really, you know, it's very quiet. Um, It's been raining too, which I find very pleasant. And it's just been kind of, um, I'm trying to like physically slow my body down to match the pace of the world outside, if that makes any Mm, sense. That does make a lot of sense. And I love that. Thank you. I find... You know, I'm very fortunate to have outdoor space at our home in Los Angeles, but like we also live near the airport and near the highway. So like there's always very loud city noises going on. Um, And here it's just dead silent. I mean, it is almost mm-hmm. like when I got out of the car, it was like uh, it was so quiet. It was loud. Like it just was overwhelming. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I do feel like the pace of life does encourage kind of a subtle change in like the body and the breath and just the brain. And so I'm trying to really feel that a little bit and not, and just like mm-hmm. calm down because I tend to be a really high, strong, tightly wound person. And I don't mind that about myself, but I'm also like, well, why don't I just feel these, this other side? We'll see. I love this. This is so that's so beautiful. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, I mean, you know what? And it's also like it's like exactly why you come to a place like this, right? So I'm just I'm so glad that you are kind of consciously giving yourself over to it. It is why you come. I mean, but also like, you know, then there's a part of me that's like, why 
did I not make the choice to live in a place like this? Would I be bored in, immediately? Like, what am, what's wrong with me that I don't live in on a farm? Not what's wrong with me, but just, you know, like considering this as a larger life choice and not just visiting family. Um, I don't think it is a life choice that I ultimately would want to make. I love living in cities, but um, it does kind of make you like question more, you know, your own quality of life or your own choices or like, especially like my own materialism and what is truly necessary and what's not. Look, a bunch of wild turkeys have really led me on a philosophical journey of like what matters in life. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, what matters in great. life, Dory? What matters? I don't know yet. I mean, I do. I do think that if you, it seems to me, I'll put, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself. It seems to me that if I lived permanently in a place like this, it would come to feel much more routine and not as like magical as you are kind of portraying it. And I think that there is something about the contrast between. Mm-hmm. are like hectic city lives and then getting this respite that is really powerful. Yes. And I should say that I assume people who live in a peaceful countryside also experience stressful lives. Like I don't want to insinuate that totally, anyone who lives yes. in a rural community is, is just chilling and looking at birds all day. But it is for me, it is a, such a contrast from what I'm used to that it's been very nice to kind of slow down. And uh, I'm just kind of processing that. Trying to slow down a little bit. Whew. I did meditate for five minutes with my daughter today. And I was like, oh, look Ooh. at me. I'm a meditating mom showing my kid like how to be. And then with like 30 minutes left, she just went and left, like made a fart noise with her mouth. <laughs> I was like, well, you know. Oh, my God. I tried. I tried. That's really funny. Well, Dory, should we take a little break and come back and talk to our incredible guest? Yeah, but let's read her bio first. Okay, we are so pumped about this interview. This was this was one of those interviews where Kate and I were both like, we're obsessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hope that doesn't sound creepy. With her like, book, with her. She's just so cool. But who is she? We haven't revealed. It's Tia Williams. No, we haven't. So let's give you the lowdown. Here's the official word. Tia Williams, according to NBC News, is a writer's writer with a fashionista twist. She has had a career as a magazine beauty editor, working her way up the mastheads of YM, L, Glamour, Lucky, Teen People, and Essence. And she also crafted the beauty blog, Shake Your Beauty. And that was in 2004. And that same year, her debut novel, The Accidental Diva, hit shelves and received glowing coverage in Marie Claire, Cosmo, The New York Times. She went on to co-write Iman's makeup memoir, The Beauty of Color, and penned two young adult novels, It Chicks and Sixteen Candles. And then in 2016, her novel, The Perfect Find, won the African American Literary Award for Best Fiction. And it got rave reviews from The Washington Post. Essence, Cosmo, People, Ebony, and InStyle, and no big deal, Gabrielle Union is set to star in the film adaptation for Netflix. And her latest novel is just wonderful. It's seven days in June. It came out this past June, um, and it hit the New York Times bestseller list. 
And Tia is currently an editorial director at, at, at Estee Lauder Companies. And she's got a daughter and lives with her daughter and her husband in Brooklyn. And she was just so interesting to talk to and kind of like her, her life covers basically every interest I've ever had. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so true. You want to talk about skincare and romantic comedies? Yes, please. Yeah. She's just had such an interesting career and I don't know. I'll, I'll, she talks about living with a chronic illness. I mean, it's yeah. just, there's, yeah. there's so much. And so. we should say that Dory loved 70s in June. I did. Dory, dipping that toe into romance, really loved the book. So that is a glowing endorsement, if I've ever heard Dipped it right in. All right. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Tia Williams. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get or, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. 
So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, 
Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Our guest today is Tia Williams. Tia, we are so excited to have you on Forever 35. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I think for today, maybe we'll call it Forever 45. Please. That's all I am. Yes. <laughs> You're, We're both in our 40s. Yeah. Oh, it, you it's are? Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Kate was at the tail end of her 30s when we started it, but I was already 40. So yes, okay. and it is it's, of course tongue in cheek. Yeah, I was just going to say know. it's more of a tongue in cheek. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we do we do love talking to people in also in their 40s. Like there does feel to to me anyway. I could be projecting kind of this nice like, hey, we all we're all here and like we all kind of get it. I don't know. There's some sort of like common language I feel like amongst people in their 40s that feels very comforting because growing up is weird. Growing old is weird. Yeah. And yet in my 40s, I somehow feel younger than I felt at 30. Mm. I had like the, I felt like I had the weight of my world, the weight yeah. of the world on my shoulders. And I had so much I wanted to accomplish. And I was so ambitious to the exclusion of everything else. Yes. And, you know, you're just working and striving and pushing ahead and relationships are weird and you don't really know yourself yet. And there's like a calmness that comes in your forties. I feel like. Yeah. For me, I at fully, least. I fully agree with that. 30 is a very stressful age. God, I wouldn't yeah. go back. No, my, I wouldn't my go back butt was great. Either. Uh, uh, (laughs) 30-year-old butts. (laughs) Tia, we do like to start off by asking our guests about a self-care practice that they have. So is there any self-care practice that you do regularly that kind of brings you a sense of calm or joy? Yes. Um, It's going to sound small compared to some of my friends who really carve out you know, dedicated, formalized me time. It's a spa, it's a massage, it's a facial. I don't have anything like that. But every day, or I should say whenever I have Zoom, whenever I'm going in front of people who are not my husband or my daughter, (laughs) I sit down at my vanity like an old school lady and I take my time putting on my makeup. And honestly, it is so soothing to me like Mm. really take my time like I'm gonna blend this highlighter at my own pace you know picking out the lipstick it just feels like this really calming ritual and it's my me time I listen to my podcasts everyone knows not to bother me what's funny is that I'll be you know doing this like calming makeup ritual but I'll be listening to like the most violent murder (laughs) podcast or like true crime like uh, you know totally violent and bloody but like it's soothing to me i love that you do it out of vanity sitting down yeah mm-hmm. 
There is something really calming about being able to sit down and apply your makeup. I love that. Um, Can you talk about what your makeup, your typical makeup routine is? Yeah. So um, I have to say like the key to everything for me, (laughs) write it down because this is so amazing. It's a moisturizer from Glam Glow and it has... um, highlighter infused in it and there's a bronzy one for brown brown skin and then there's like a rose goldy one or champagne lighter one for for fair skin tones i put it on and even if i don't do anything else i get compliments on my skin all day so i'm not wearing foundation right now i know you guys what See me, but yeah, it's just oh, no. this moisturizer. We can see wow. you. Your skin you looks are glowing. glowing. You are glowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, listener. So I forgot yeah, listen, that it's right. not just yeah. us. Yep. <laughs> right. Is it the is it the Glam Glow Glow Starter Mega Illuminating exactly Moisturizer? Okay, That's I want to make sure is. we have it's it. So right. good. Yep. And then I just use a little bit of like a yellow base concealer under my eyes because I don't sleep and it shows. Um, and then I have a Tom Ford blush whose name escapes me. And I use the Tom Ford eyeshadow palette. It's a quad with four different eyeshadows. It's called Leopard Sun, just gold and bronzy. I like to look like I've been out in the sun, mm. even though I don't leave my house. Mm. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, I have a variety of MAC lipsticks that, you know, whichever one speaks to me is, is where I'm going. And also, I, I plucked out all my eyebrows in the 90s, as one did. Uh, same. same. Yes. yes. Right? <laughs> so I have these weird holes in my eyebrows now where hair doesn't grow. So I fill it in with this, um, it's a wet and wild eyebrow pencil. I love and nice. You know, just, no one told us that was going to happen. It's really rude. That they weren't so, going to grow back in? Yes. Yeah, yeah yes. I know. Can I actually ask you a question? Because you have you know, a long career in the beauty industry and as an editor. And I'm curious, you know, like the nineties are clearly very back fashion wise. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And a lot of the aspects of the makeup we wore back then are also back. Do you think that brow and big brows have been like in for the, let's say the last like, you know, 10 years, at least like those thick bushy brows. Are we going to swing back to like the very thin plucked nightmare of our late nineties? You know, I want to, my soul wants to say no, but what my fashion brain knows and understands is that it's all cyclical, yeah. and it, we will indeed return to the spider brow trend. Mm. We will because all of that stuff comes back. I mean, oh, when we were te- when we were young in the nineties and in the aughts, like, could you ever have imagined? actually wanting to have a bushy brow again like the idea no no. it was so cringy and now like it's it's that's the standard so i feel like i plucked my eyebrows almost every night because i would like look for stray hairs and they had to be gone and i mean it was very stressful (laughs) it was was an obsessive situation yes it was obsessive exactly um speaking of being a beauty editor can you tell us what were the best and worst things about being a beauty editor? Um, well, I have to say when I started, it was 97, 98. And um, I was at L. Uh, and I was the only black beauty editor in the mm. industry. 
um, aside, wow. obviously, from Essence Magazine and Ebony Magazine that are black magazines. So it was interesting being at this super, super high fashion magazine, yeah. you know, tippy top. It was El Vogue and Bazaar at the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm a suburban girl from Virginia. This is like, you know, my first job out of college, you know, a lot of the people that were working there had family money, which is what you needed to have to work in these jobs at the time. I mean, I was making 19000 a year. Like I was living with a roommate in a studio separated by um, a curtain. And we literally had either popcorn or French fries for dinner. Um, <laughs> wow. And so that was tough for me, like sort of adjusting to this whole new world. And then also quickly realizing that as a black beauty editor, I not only had to understand everything there was to know about white beauty, I was also expected to be the mouthpiece for anything, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, other. So Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of educating, as well as, you know, doing the actual job that was in front of me. So, you know, whenever you're the only in the room, it can be challenging. And when you're 23 and the only in the room, it's... Yeah, and you're you know, so junior. So, like... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's And magazines, pretty, especially then, were so hierarchical. Oh, yeah. And intimidating. And we're not even going to mm-hmm. get into, like, the clothes. Like, I'm looking around like, yeah. how, she's an assistant. How is right. she in head to toe Anna Sweet? It's the 90s. You know, she's in Anna oh, Sweet. Right. And her like, what are the more? How did she afford that? You know, and so, yeah, it was, it, it, it's pre HM and Zara and fast fashion. Yeah. Like, you could look fabulous on $29.99. So it was an interesting time. That was probably the most challenging part about being a beauty. Yeah. And what I loved about it was that, you know, you got tons of free makeup and hair and skincare because, you were writing about this stuff and reviewing this stuff. And so all the brands would send you all their new launches so that you they could get coverage in the magazine and you had to try it. So I was like a walking Sephora. Had you been interested in beauty before this? Like, was this a passion oh, yeah. of yours? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was in the right place. Definitely. Like when I was growing up, I had two things that I was obsessed with. Um, writing and beauty and fashion. So like I'm the 10 year old with the Vogue subscription. I have big boxes in my parents' um, garage of fashion magazines from the 80s and the 90s before I left the house. And, you know, they made me get rid of the bulk of them. But I I made a deal that I could keep all of the March and September issues because those are the big fashion collections issues. So I got to keep those of each year. What what great... um... I think about this a lot. I have a 10 year old and an eight year old and there's so much like, you know, and you know, you're a parent, like the pressure to schedule all these activities and kids to excel at certain things rather than just kind of letting them like putter around and be Mm -hmm. drawn to stuff that sometimes doesn't, you know, in this kind of, um, I don't know, like achievement based society, like a 10 year old reading Vogue someone might be like, what's the point of that? Like, that's not worth their time. They should be doing that, 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 that. And yet, yeah, um, that led you to such like to your passion. I mean, that was your passion and it did become your, your career. It's so beautiful hearing that th- it sounds like anyway, that your family really nurtured that. And I'm, I'm wondering also if then as a parent, 
that is something that you've kind of taken into how you raise your child. Oh, absolutely. I'm so yeah. big on the puttering. Like yeah. you nailed it. My parents had three very eccentric daughters mm. and we were eccentric because they were eccentric. Like whatever thing we were into, run with it. Can you talk about finding time to write while also I think you're still working full time? Question mark. And being a mom. Yes. yes. Um. So yeah, I I'm an editorial director at Estee Lauder Companies, and um, it is very much a full time job. Um, and I have a 12 year old daughter. And I also write novels. So the thing is, I don't have any healthy advice. Whenever I'm asked about like how I balance it all, I struggle with that answer because none of it is good. But I can tell the truth. Yeah, please um, tell the yes, truth. The truth is key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I do think you have it all. You can have it all as women, but you will struggle if you really want it mm -hmm. all because it doesn't it doesn't come easily. So I have chronic daily migraines. I've had them since I was nine. And um, I wake up every morning in pain. So I definitely can't write in the morning, can't write during the day because I'm at work. And in the evening, you know, I'm doing mommy stuff. So if by the time my daughter goes to bed, I'm at a five on the pain scale, which is manageable, I will write as long as I possibly can, like two, till two and three in the morning. Wow. Because I'm not really yeah. sure when the next time I'll feel good enough to write is. Mm -hmm. Because of my condition, I'm not very reliable in terms of scheduling. So whenever I'm feeling kind of okay, I have to just write my ass off. And it's like a get in where you fit in situation. But I will say that the one thing I can say is like when it comes to writing, no matter what your schedule is, no matter what you have in front of you, like writing, if you really want to do it, it has to be a no negotiation proposition. You have mm -hmm. to be the ultimate disciplinarian. You have to, whenever you decide your writing time is, you absolutely have to do it because there's always something more interesting and exciting and sexy to do than writing. Writing sucks. So it's something that you have to stay on top of yourself to really, really do like no excuses if that's what you want to do. <sighs> I don't want to say writing sucks. It doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's no, the, but it's having hard. It hang over your head yeah. and having, you know, deadlines looming. And, you mm -hmm. know, what if you have writer's block during the time you blocked off to yeah, write? Yeah. Like what happens then? That's when the discipline comes in. It's just that you just have to write anyway because you can edit. You can't edit a blank page, but you can make bad writing better. Like just get something down. Yes, totally. Yeah, we are both writers, and so we we see you. And it yes. is you know it's <laughs> interesting. It feels. So. I think it's the self discipline part that is really challenging because we often get asked, and I'm sure you get asked, like, how do you start writing something? And like the the answer is just like you sit down and open up a page and whatever you're using and you like type a word and it's so unsexy and mm -hmm. unsatisfying, but that's it. One foot in front of the other. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So actually I think that's a good segue to talking about your wonderful new book, seven days yeah. in June, which I just devoured. Really? And oh my God. Yes. I was reading it 
I read it before Kate did, and mm-hmm. I'm still devouring. But I'm, I'm devouring. Like a, I I will occasionally read romance. It's not my it's not my uh, favorite genre, but I I enjoy it. But I don't read it mm-hmm. very often. And I'm like texting Kate like, mm-hmm. OMG, this book is so good. You're gonna love this. I'm so book. excited! I love she's this coming book. on the yeah, podcast. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm like I can't believe she's coming on the pod. And then you were like named a Reese's book pick, and I was like, see, like yep. <laughs> they knew that. <laughs> And you're a New York Times bestseller. It's on the New York Times list. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, So, yes, I absolutely loved your book. Thank you for writing it. Can you give our listeners a quick kind of synopsis of what it is about? Yes. Okay. So it's called Seven Days in June. My dad named it. I called it the week. So I have to give it up for his creative flair. Um, So it's about two famous authors who meet at a Brooklyn literary event, um, seemingly for the first time, and all these sparks fly. But unbeknownst to everyone there, they actually know each other because they spent seven very romantic, very torrid days together in their late teens. And then they went their separate ways, never to speak again, but you find out that they've been communicating with each other through their books for the past 15 years. So now they're back in each other's lives (laughs) and they have to figure out like what to do with each other. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. 
After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. And please support our show and tell them we sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, here we are. It's so, it's so, such a lovely book and so well written. And I just love the story and the characters are totally unique. Um, And I actually wanted, I'm I'm glad you brought up your migraines because I wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about um, Eva, the protagonist, Mm -hmm. also suffers from chronic, like very debilitating migraines. Yeah. and I'm wondering what made you want to write a character that is dealing with an invisible illness, especially in a romance, which is like typically kind of lighter. Right. Well, yeah, it was tough because it's something that I've I've always wanted to write about because it's the defining, you know, characteristic of me. Unfortunately, mm. like it's mm. it looms bigger than. Exactly the way I wrote Eva. Like it just looms bigger yeah. than everything else. Um, yeah, it and kind of it dictates like, everything she does. Yeah, and that's how my life has been. And I've always wanted to write about it, but just like you said, you know, there's nothing sexy or cute or sparkly or escapist about you know chronic yeah. pain. And so I could never really figure out how to integrate it into a story. But I always. I couldn't help it. Like I've always had a character in a book, like rub their temples. Oh, I'm getting a headache. Like Mm. just because it's a gesture Mm. that's so familiar to me, but I don't know. Like we were talking earlier about, you know, being in your forties and just sort of letting go a little bit. And I was like, you know, what's, uh, you know, what's the harm? How, how, what can happen to me if I reveal, you know, because what's really, what the, the, the scary thing to me is that I'm revealing to everyone who knows me what my life is really like, you know, people who are reading it, who don't know me are, are, you know, reading about this character. But if you know me now, I'm completely exposed because I've been pretending my whole life that I'm like normal. People know that I get migraines sometimes, but like the thing is, I, you know, when you have an invisible illness, you're not limping, your hair hasn't fallen out, you're not in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. you're not on crutches, you're not bleeding, you don't look like you're struggling the way that you do. And no one would believe it because you just look so normal. And I'm very high functioning. So mm-hmm. it's been this whole game of like pretending at work, pre- pretending with boyfriends, pretending in front of my daughter, mm-hmm. you know. And so writing about it was scary because it's super vulnerable, but it's also really freeing. And I also wanted to show that, you know, when you have a disability, like you, it sounds corny, but like you aren't your disability. You can fall in love. You can have sex in public places. (laughs) You you want things. You, Mm -hmm. you know, 
I just wanted to show that, that a, a person living with, you know, a disease can live a very full life. Yeah. Well, you portrayed it really beautifully and it felt so authentic to me. So I know that Thank a you. lot of people who, yeah, I don't struggle with migraines, but I know that a lot of people who do will read this and feel very seen. Yeah. yeah. I've been hearing that and it's, it, it's great um, because we just don't have a lot of representation in fiction and especially in this genre. Right. Yeah. I, I was going to say people who don't know, like myself, are getting an education, which I think is so, it's so important. I mean, th this is why these stories are so valuable and, and having this kind of uh, story in a, in a romance is so, and, and I know that is now really, the genre is really shifting. I, I also write romance, so I'm very, you know, into that forward movement, but it's so, it's yeah. so important. And I don't think people realize how powerful the genre is that it can include these really important, meaningful points and conversations. Right. And the time, you know, when I was growing up in the eighties, my mom was a massive romance person and, you know, my sisters and I would sneak all her romance novels. And, you know, if, a heroine had a quirk. It was she has freckles, yeah, or like she has right. a red charming hair. overbite. Yeah, mm -hmm. like she has red <laughs> hair. It is just like okay, like it's uh, not really. She's drop dead gorgeous with huge boobs coming out of her corset. Like I think she's fine. You know, yeah. Like, you just didn't see any diversity at all. So, yeah. speaking of having sex in public places. How do you as a writer handle sex scenes? Um, well, I really enjoy them. Ooh. Um, because I grew up reading all these romance novels and like my mom would keep them in the bathroom next to her bathtub and like you would open them and they would literally fall open to the sex scene because that's what she was <laughs> oh reading. Uh -huh. I love uh -huh. your mom. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have to do any thumbing. Like it was just like burp, open right up to it. And I, I don't know. I just absorbed all these scenes. I thought they were fascinating. And then, you know, when I got to like middle school and high school, if I was bored in school or whatever, I would just write like a kissing scene, you know, in my trapper keeper mm. or whatever. Like I've always been sort of in, into that i think yeah it's my mom's fault um <laughs> and i don't know because it's a really hard thing to do because like yeah. a sex scene or a love scene can be i stephen king said that in the wrong hands horror becomes comedy and comedy becomes horror mm. and i feel like it's the same thing with like a good sex scene like that could be horror or comedy and you don't want either yeah, <laughs> um right. So it's just something I always liked erotica. I loved, you know, on a, on a and, um, the story of, Oh, and all the, the old school erotica. So I like writing it. Having other people read it is absolutely mortifying. And all of the <laughs> men in my life are strictly forbidden to read, um, any book that I've written. My father has never read anything. My brother's in law, do you say brother in law? Brothers in law. Brothers in law. I never know. That's a tough one. Yeah. My male friends, no. And that's ridiculous. I'm a grown up, like, get over it. But it's just, <laughs> the thing is, people tend to think that you're, you know, 
people make judgments about women who write about sex. And when you're dating and they find out what you do and they do some research, it's like, oh, she's, you know, really kinky or she's really this or really that. And it's like, it kind of, you kind of want it to be something that someone finds out about you mm-hmm. rather than read it. You know, it's like, here are my fantasies and you just hand them over to strangers. It's weird. Do you think yeah. that stigma is changing a bit as, as romance seems to be coming a a bit more mainstream. I mean, I believe it's like the most um, read genre, like in terms of the publishing industry, it's, there's so much money that comes out of romance and yet it's been stigmatized for so long. It keeps the lights on. It does. I mean, there's so much money to be made. There's money that's always been made. I mean, romance is a huge, you know, there's a massive, massive audience. And now there's so many sub genres and all the different tropes and, um, but I still think that there's a certain level of, we're not really taking this super seriously because yeah. women like it, you know, um, because it appeals to, you know, it's characters that have a real emotional side. It's, it's considered soft and it's also considered beyond easy reading. It's considered easy writing too. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that it's, it's just something that you know, we sort of stumble out of bed and pull together. It's so hard, you know? Yeah. Like the guy on the panel in Seven Days in June that called Eva's work fluff. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's pretty insulting. Yeah. And Eva writes vampire, yeah. vampire books. She writes vampire yes. erotica. Oh, I love yes. it. I love it so much. It's such a wonderful um, send up. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. What is your favorite romance trope? I really love enemies to lovers. Me too. Yes, me too. Um, <laughs> I think it is very important. I love that tension. Like, oh, I hate mm-hmm. you. I love you. I hate you. I love you. Like, it's mm-hmm. the best. It's so good. There must be something going around on TikTok about romance tropes because my 12-year-old daughter comes out of her room the other day and she's like, mommy, what's your favorite trope? I think mine is second chance lovers or maybe it's <laughs> friends to lovers. I'm like, you're 12. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my God. Tropes. Yeah, it must be some TikTok thing. TikTok knows everything. Yeah. Yes. Um, what other books are you loving right now? And do you have any great romance recs? Well, I just finished reading. Oh, what is it called? It's Talia Hibbert's newest one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, some, not something Eve, Eve and not Brown. Danny. Is it? Get it's, a, Eve. Not, it's Eve. Okay. There's Danny. Then there's Chloe. And then there's Eve. Yeah. I, Eve I, is the third. Yes. So I just finished that. I love her. Loved that book. Her, she's just so witty, and and the romance is always so convincing and sparkly. It's just dead on. I love her work so much. Yeah, and hot. Um, I also just this book isn't out yet. Um, I just read a galley. It, it comes out in July, but it's called The View Was Exhausting, and it's by two authors, and I cannot for the life of me remember their names at the moment. Um, but it combines two of my favorite things. It's um pretend lovers 
which is another trope that I love. Mm. Um, and Hollywood couples because the taste takes place in this like glitzy Hollywood world. It's um, it's like an Us Weekly headline sprung to life. It's fabulous. And the cover is fake, great. Fake lovers to real lovers is always so good. It's, it's really so good. good. I No one's ever asked to fake a romance with me. Like I've never been in a situation where like I believe it every time I read it. It's my favorite. Oh, gosh. So I good. Just love it. Does your daughter read your work or or do you share reading or books with her? Oh no, she's banned till she's 35. Okay. Speaking of, yeah, like no, no, she absolutely cannot. And she actually um read the prologue without me knowing. And um she said to me, I don't get it was it funny like i don't understand what was happening like why was it what was it supposed to be saying like you're not supposed to get it <laughs> put the book down so you're not leaving books by the bathtub that no fall open to the specifically your right. books yes yeah, specifically <laughs> your books <laughs> exactly i know all the tricks so no i don't um so as i mentioned a little bit ago your book has been selected as a reese's book club pick you were on the times bestseller list now your book has been optioned for tv i mean it's been kind of a whirlwind for you what has that been like you know it's been surreal because it's Mm. i've wanted this my whole life Mm. i mean like i said earlier like there just was never anything else i wanted to do I wanted to be a beauty editor and I wanted to write novels. I wanted to be Judith Krantz. I wanted to be Daniel Steele. Um, and what was annoying was that I didn't have black examples of that. I was always picturing myself being the black version of, you know, Jackie Collins. And that's lame, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. not the you know the black version of anything i'm right. I'm me yeah yeah um this is when i when i get into you know why represent representation is so important mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of there's conversations about you know how does it really move you know the movement forward to see you know black characters in this book or in this movie or, you know, the black dolls situation, like how is a black Barbie going to help? Just seeing yourself reflected. It, it can really take you so far. It makes you feel like, you know, the world is unlimited. And when I was growing up, the world was extremely limited. I didn't yeah. see myself anywhere. I would read books and recast them with black people in my mind. And that's a really weird place to be. Um, so what I try to do with my novels is, is fill them with interesting, real black people and show their humanity so that, you know, this generation doesn't have to picture themselves as the version of anything. And so I always wanted to do this and I always wanted to be on the New York Times bestsellers list. Mm. I didn't think it would ever happen. And here we are. It's crazy. What do you think it is about your book that's um, resonating with people? Or or at maybe even as a writer, it's hard to even know. Like that's maybe that's not even your job. You give the you give the gift of the art and then you let it go. But I'm curious if you've if you've thought about it or at all. I have no idea. 
Honestly, I Good have answer. no idea. Maybe there's something in the air. I don't know. Something that maybe people are more, you know, I've always come up against, do black people do these things? Like, you know, when they're reading my book, like I've never heard of a black beauty editor. Does a black person do this? Or like, what? It's a, it's like a black sex in the city. Like I can't picture black girls like a, so there's always been this element of like, weird disbelief because people have never seen us in these spaces. It seems like a weird reach. And I think in the past four or five years, there's been, you know, a renewed, if maybe renewed isn't even the word because it was never there before, but there's been this huge interest in black voices. Like suddenly you have Atlanta and insecure and, Mm -hmm. you know, get out and Wakanda and you know, they're just all, it's like a black Renaissance and you know, um, watchmen. Like it's, we're in all these different spaces now that we were never in before and it's helping publishers, which is, you know, obviously mostly white. The publishing industry is very monochromatic. It's helping them understand, Mm -hmm. Oh, there's an audience for this outside of street fiction and really important literary tomes on racism in American society. Like we, you know, black people can exist in these Mm -hmm. um, spaces we never thought of before. So I think that that has something to do with it. I think generation Z is, and millennials are a little, they're looking for, for, diversity now like things that aren't diverse media that isn't diverse in 2021 looks horribly dated Mm -hmm. you know so i think uh yeah it's just a different time probably that has something to do with it yeah that was a long-winded response no (laughs) i think it's i think it's it's Fantastic. And I, it, it makes me think too, as a, a white person, like, you know, uh, we never, cons- I never grew up, maybe the Cosby show, but I never grew up um, consuming media about black people. N- not that it didn't, you know, like, and, and it has there been, wasn't any. there wasn't Barely. any. And, but then also it would be like, oh, well, why, why would I, you know, like, why would mm-hmm. we as a family or, or whatever it is? So, so that to me has been a big kind of conscious, an active and a constant thing I I try to think about because, you know, like my kid, my white kid, seeing that dolls can also be black and that she can play with a black doll. It's like, that was not yes. And that it's just normal Mm -hmm. is such a big thing. And I I think about that in all the media, my, my kids now consume. And I do think it is changing, but still has, you know, a long way to go. But so much of it from my end as a white parent is like, white people have to do a way better job of consuming mm. thing, you know, art that is made and about black people and other people yeah. of color. So I appreciate you saying that because it, it helps me to re- kind of reflect on, you know, my role. Right. And I, I think you make such a good point about not just consuming, you know, the, the books about anti-racism or, yes. you know, yeah. the really, the heavy historical, all this, all the black trauma, 
stuff like we we should be consuming stuff about black joy and black love mm-hmm. and you know not not just stuff about slavery like there's so right. much more and yeah. i think sometimes people overlook that so yes, yeah thank 100%. you for reminding us all of that Tay, before we wrap, can we we talk a lot about skincare on our show, probably too much, but it's something that brings us a great deal of joy. And I know you mentioned your beautiful makeup practice, but I wanted to ask if you have any skincare products or skincare routine habits that you care to share with us and our listeners. Um, I know this is going to sound like I'm saying this because I work at Estee Lauder, but Estee Lauder advanced night repair serum Mm, has changed. It's iconic. I mean, I was using it way before I was working at Estee Lauder. It honestly, I use it right before my moisturizer in the evening. I wouldn't wear it during the day. It makes your skin too susceptible, um, like sun rays and things like it's just, there's no SPF in it. Like I wouldn't wear it during the day, but, and it just, it's almost like it it gives you this blurring effect. Um, you know, it helps with fine lines. It, uh, exfoliates a bit so that your skin has this glow. Um, and you guys are skincare people. So you know that overnight your skin, you know, regenerates and that's like the optimum time to use Mm -hmm. like your high performance skincare. Um, so this, this is just it like, and you see results like in three to four days, honestly, within a week. I love that. Um, I also only let cold water touch my, the skin on my face. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is an old school Hollywood trick. Like Joan Crawford used to fill her sink with ice cubes and just dunk her face in it. <sighs> it, it has like an immediate tightening effect. I mean, people put their skincare in the refrigerator. I know. You're right. Oh, you it's know? just so cold. I know, but like it just it tightens you right up. It's really great. And it also wakes you up too. Um, what else do I love? Skincare with caffeine in it is is really good um, mm. because it gives you and a lot of the latest sort of luxury skincare has heavy doses of caffeine in it because it gives it rejuvenates your skin. It um, gives you like an energetic look like after mm. you've just worked out or, you know, gone for a run, anything like that. Um you know what I have never gotten into that people love. So I'm going to spread this gospel, even though I don't subscribe to it myself, facial oils. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? I like them. Yeah. I will always use an oil, but Dory, you're not like a huge oil person. I'm not a huge oil person, but I will, if I'm feeling especially dry, I will put some on, but it's not a nightly, it's not a nightly thing for me. Yeah, it freaks me. I just the I can't like mentally get over yeah. putting oil on my face. It just scares me. I feel like this wow. is also a product of us growing up in the nineties. Yes, <laughs> all we did was suck the moisture Strip out of our face. Our faces. Oh yeah. my god, those pads like those Stratex yes, the Stratex pads, pads. And clean and clear. Oh yes. my god, oil free everything. Oil yes. free everything. I will never forget. Like so, I was on my high school dance team. 
And during the summers, we would have practices, obviously. And, it, you know, it's Virginia. It is so hot. Like, it's like 105, super humid during the summers. And, like, you know, you weren't allowed to sweat as a teenager as per commercials in the 90s. Like, right. you had right. to be, <laughs> yes. teen to be really, really... Yeah, teen spirit. And so our practices smelled like clean and clear acne wipes. Oh my god. Because in between performance, oh you know, we're hurt like we would run over to our like little bags and quickly swipe this all over our face and then keep that. Um little did we know, which is something I learned when when I became a beauty editor, that the more you strip the natural oils from your face the worse your acne and pimple gets because your skin produces oil double time to make up for all the oil that you've stripped away. So it's a mess. <laughs> this is why I like get stressed out watching these teens try to emulate the nineties. Cause I'm like, y'all, yeah. it was not a good time. No. Bring us back. Yeah. Well, Tia, my perfume of choice is an Estee Lauder perfume and I, reek of it right now i wear bronze goddess like obsessively yes it's my fate it's my fave. people will always try to get me to do like the tom ford right like beachy sense and it's like this is the only this is the best one it is the best one i just want to proclaim my loyalty. i love everything estee lauder bronze goddess like they're those like mm-hmm. limited edition bronze goddess like oh, eye, yeah. eye and cheek palettes that come out even like everything in that franchise is golden love, love. it well, well, this was no, a treat. Go, this really, that's all we're, we both so, just going to say this was we're a treat. Both just like, Oh, this is so <laughs> great. Um, Tia, thank you for taking the time. I hope you're not at more than a five right now. At our I am. Yeah, I'm solidly at a five, so I'm good. Okay. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, Tia, where can our listeners find you, learn more about you, etc.? So on Instagram, I'm Tia Williams, right? On Twitter, I'm Tia W underscore right. And on Facebook, I'm Tia Williams. And my website is TiaWilliams.net. Perfect. Thank you so much. And Seven Days in June is available wherever books are sold. Pick it up. It's truly delightful. Thank you so much. I've had a blast. I This has been honestly like we just went to a coffee shop. It's been really fun. Well, I mean, look, we could gush forever. I just thought I loved our conversation with Tia. And you know what? I actually really, I I feel like it was good for me. And this is something I need to continue to do to really deepen my understanding of what it means to live with a chronic illness that's not visible. Mm. Because Mm. I think that is really something that I have personally kind of overlooked in terms of what people's life experiences are. And I, I, um, I want to make a more conscious effort to kind of be more aware and um, empathetic about that experience. Yes, I love that. Well, Dory, yeah. you know, we kind of had a bit of like a a break in intentions because we've done some special episodes. Yes. Um, but it's I would, true. we can revisit what our previous intentions were for myself this was about two weeks ago it was to schedule out the next two months so i do not end up in panic attack mode in the fetal position and i did do How'd this that go? 
I went. Uh, I did do it. What I basically what I had to do. Actually, I still have another Google Calendar I need to make to kind of feel more comfortable. But I had to kind of really go into detail on our personal work calendar so we knew when everything was happening. Mm-hmm. Because you and I have a lot of moving pieces in terms of us taking vacations at separate times this coming month. So. I do feel like I kind of have it under control. Um, and I got my family to the East Coast. That was a big part of it. So I feel kind of good about, about that one. I feel good about that for you too. Thank you for your support. And then, you know, this oh, week, so you know, this is kind of a, I don't quite know how to accomplish this yet, but my intention is to do a better job of getting my body on Eastern Standard Time. So that I can actually kind of wake up at the time I normally like to wake up, enjoy my early mornings. You know, right now I'm still kind of going to bed at midnight Eastern time. Yeah. You know, I should <sighs> just stop texting you late. Oh, yeah, because I respond. <laughs> yeah. But it's only like, nine last night I was like, I was like, wait a second. It's it's like 1215 <laughs> on the East Coast. What's Kate doing? And I felt bad. Well, but Sorry. it's just, it's really hard to get my body onto this different like i'm already going to sleep now at nine o'clock pacific time which is an adjustment and rising at about five o'clock pacific time but it's midnight on the east coast and 8 a.m on the east coast and i would like to kind of really get that down a little bit so i've got to figure i gotta really just go to bed earlier it's hard i feel like the the transition is always much tougher for me it was always much tougher than i like thought it should be yes you know, but it's like hard to force your body to go to sleep when you're not tired. So it's difficult to make that change. The thing, one thing that I found helped kind of shock my system was setting my alarm early so that, you know, I was waking up at like 637 Eastern time so that by the time 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern rolled around, I was tired enough to go to sleep. That's a good idea. So I've been, I did that the last couple of days. I did it for 7.30 this morning and it did kind of get me up. So I think I might take your advice on this one and try to push it a little further to see if that kind of gets me over the hump. Yeah, I think that would help. And then you you can kind of, you don't have to wake up at 6.30 every day. for No. But but I think just to kind of like get yourself going. I like waking up Um, at 6.30 too. Also, you're in nature. So at 6.30 in the morning in the country, it's just... It's beautiful. Beautiful. There's mist rising. Mr. Darcy is walking through the fields to come oh. visit me. You know that scene beautiful. in Pride and Prejudice, right? Mr. Oh, Darcy appears through the fields. Mm, okay. Dory, two weeks ago, your intention was to use your new to-do app, which I'm assuming is Amazing Marvin. Is that right? It is. All right. Give us an update. Okay. I was doing really well with using it for like a week. And then I don't know. I just went back to, to my old, I'm holding it up, Kate. Okay. So I just went back to my old, like, that's cute. Wait, can I see that one more time? Notepad. Yeah. It's cute. What's the, so you X out the things you've done and then you have a whole list of those other things or just things you're going to do. Yeah, it's my to-do list. But this is your to-do notepad that you bought specifically for this, right? Yes. So it's yes. working. So it's working. And this this is the thing that seems to be working. You know what I think I realize part of it is? I like having it in front of me mm-hmm. all the time, not 
on a tab on my computer or in an app that I need to look at on my phone. Mm-hmm. I like just up. having it right there. There's just something about that that like helps me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm not ready to like totally abandon the amazing Marvin experiment. I also got a really sweet note from the founder who like offered oh. to help me use the app. And I was, and I haven't responded yet because I've been kind of like, well, I don't know if it's like really working for me, but I, but I, I will say I like it the best of like the ones I have tried. Okay. So if you are a person that is like looking for an app like this, I would give it a shot. It's super customizable, which I liked and felt more intuitive than a lot of other apps. But I don't know. It might just be that I am a, I am a notepad person. So, well, I have been experimenting with something, but I'll give an update on a later episode. But I, yeah, yeah. What are you up to this week? Um, I mean, this week I'm just, I'm just focused on getting through the book. Really, the the week of pub, as they say, mm-hmm. in the biz, um, with you know my sanity intact. So that's all. That's all I'm I'm doing this week. Well, congratulations! Thank you, thank you so much, and um, thank you, everybody out there for listening to Forever 35, which is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrier and Kate Spencer. And it's produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast. And we appreciate you listening. Have a great day. Bye, everyone.